This is the Blackout Podcast. Hi, Trevor. Thanks for coming on to the podcast today. Th- thanks for having me. I, I mean, I-, I definitely had to have you because I remember um, through Afcoop, the language of Nova Scotia uh, films happened. And I always wanted to get on one of those sets, especially, I think you're shot at, uh, where did you shoot at Antigonish? I filmed in uh, Antigonish County, yeah, yeah. In, in my home community. Yeah. yeah, and and then when that was happening, I was like, oh, God, I'd love to be on that one. But um, I couldn't get on. Uh, but my friend Sheldon and uh, Burton from Soundboats were on, so they told me it was great. And then um, I think it was Paul, Paul that shot your film, right? Paul and Jack, yeah. Paul, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Jack was on it too. So, um, and then... I like that, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're used to making films, you kind of get lost in the process and that magic dies for you. So it's, it's great when you're not in the team that's making it and then you actually just see the finished product on the big screen. So that was a, that was a really wonderful experience for me. Like just sitting down there and now your actor, oh my God, he's great. Uh, what was your film called again? Um, Abba Jassim, The Return. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you know after that there was a whole talk and you were telling people about how the idea for the film came do you want to retell that story well the film like i said it's called the return and i guess the idea came from like where i work i'm a curatorial assistant at the Mi'kmaq way to burke cultural center and i have the opportunity to work with some great people that have knowledge on Mi'kmaq stories and legends so through the past few years, I've been doing a lot of research, and I get to read with them. I get to I get to research them. I get to work with some guys that really have a knowledge of them. So, and I grew up with the stories as well, you know, as a kid, and my dad telling me them, and uh, I was just a, I was always wanting to read them. Mm. I got this interest into, especially where I work, we have el- an elders council that's kind of our bosses we meet with. Mm. And they like to promote the idea of oral histories. And that's how our our cultures and our traditions have been kept alive through mm-hmm. oral histories. And that's through our stories, through our language, and everything's been passed down orally. Mm-hmm. Our stories, these legends, these folklore, they were always part of our oral history, but they were gathered by non-natives, non, non-Indigenous people, mm-hmm. scholars, gathered these stories and kind of archived them in novels published them for everyone to read but they published them and translated them into English so the concepts and the lessons that used to be tied with them because that was the reason why you would tell a story you would make a legend or you make a folklore is to explain something mm. there's always a lesson behind it a meaning and that's how we learn things through our stories I started to feel and understand that through these English translations, those concepts that used to be there with our language are no longer there. Mm. So I started to get this idea that I wanted to take in a, a, a character from our legends, mm. bring it in, into a contemporary setting and in a contemporary way of storytelling to be able to get those focuses on those oral histories in a different way, having 
not just youth, but people in today's society, especially Mi'kmaq, that are trying to learn the language and trying to learn Mi'kmaq traditions, maybe through this short story that I have this idea of, they can see that old way of storytelling in a new way. Mm-hmm. So I always thought it was also, I used to always think that it would be funny, you know, to tell, tell, tell some kind of stories about these, this native that would learn, learn something for the first time, you know, like um, yeah. me and my friends used to joke about doing maybe like a, a YouTube web series or a podcast like this where we would kind of try to joke and come up with fictional scenarios where like, oh, I wonder who was the first native guy that tried to slice a pizza, <laughs> you know, or who was the first native guy that seen um, a non-native or, you know, non-native woman. You know, first native to to experience something, you know, yeah. because that kind of stuff never get, you know, there's all kinds of history for the first white guy that was on the moon or, you know, first white guy that traveled across the sea. But we don't have like kind of written down history of the first native guy that tried a can of Pepsi. <laughs> so we used to, me and my friends used to joke about when we were younger about coming up with stories to just to make fun of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I stuck to that idea for a long time. And before AFCOOP came up with the submission, I was already thinking of a story to okay. bring, to bring um, Gloose Cap's kind of sidekick into, into the light. I, I really wanted to tell a Gloose Cap story, but not about Gloose Cap. Yeah. And Martin, the main character in my film, Abistano Edge, Martin, he's always a secondary character. Okay. And he's a character that never got fully evolved or fully... He never gets highlighted in much stories. So I, I kind of wanted to tell a story about him. But also, mm. like when I first started writing this script and the idea for the Afku project... Yeah. I did. Well, I was thinking about Goose Cap. That's when this first idea was okay. Goose Cap, the idea, okay, the idea of the story, the background of the story first, okay, is that in our legends, Goose Cap, Goose Cap left the Mi'kmaq people after living here for, you know, hundreds of years with them, created the Mi'kmaq people, he created the land and the animals, and he helped them to live in harmony taught them everything that they needed to know to hunt and fish and he changed the environment he changed things to help that coexistence and then eventually there was a time where he realized that there's nothing that he could teach them anymore Mm. so he takes his grandmother and he takes his little brother martin puts him in his canoe and he tells the Mi'kmaq people all right i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave and i'm gonna go far away and i'm gonna wait in this place, which is either in a spirit world or another dimension or, you know, this spiritual island where he's at waiting. Mm. And I would re- he's going to return when the Mi'kmaq need him again. So I believe that where he, wherever he's at, there's no sense of time. There's no sense of existence. He's just there mm. with his family waiting. So he's kind of curious. He wants to know. So this is where my story starts. Mm. Glooscap wants to know how the Mi'kmaq are doing, if he needs to return to teach them things, because he has no idea how long he's been gone. He has no idea how the Mi'kmaq are living. So he sends Martin back. Initially, I wanted to do a story with Glooscap because I thought that would be hilarious. But I started figuring that I'm not going to be able to find 
a godlike figure, you know? Everyone everyone's got this um picture of Glus Cap because of the statue that's out in Truro, this yeah, big yeah, tall yeah, statue, yeah. right? And he's got this godlike figure. He's dark, he's like the most native, he's like the the epitome of what a Mi'kmaq man is supposed to look like. Mm. So I realized I'm, I'm going to have a very hard time to find someone that has a body like Thor or <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> could speak the language like a, like a very knowledgeable grasp of the language. Not just, you know, contemporary way of speaking Mi'kmaq, but the old way. Yeah. Before Europeans got here, have a knowledge of those words. So I, I had to drop that idea. And plus, I felt like a lot of people may not be comfortable with seeing Goose Cap on screen because he's a he's our he's a creator. Mm. I didn't want to offend anybody, so I ditched that and I started thinking about this secondary character. He's an everyday kind of guy. You know, he, he's not a god, you know. It might be easier to find someone that looks like a normal dude. Mm. And that's what I did. I started looking for I had a I started writing a script with a couple of my friends in mind. Oh, okay. That are real that just that if just as Mi'kmaq looking as I am, if not even more. And just went from there. I uh, I had a friend that I I thought was perfect for. Mm. And it didn't play out. He He's a singer and dancer as, as I am. So things come up, you know, opportunities come up and he oh, couldn't okay. film. He couldn't he couldn't get the time off or he, he'd rather sing and dance. Mm. So I approached another guy and his name's Newell, good friend of mine. He's a singer and dancer as well. Um, looks very Mi'kmaq, very long, hair. beautiful hair, yeah. you know. And he's, you know, he's a good shape kind of guy. Mm. He speaks the language, understood. So, um, he learns quick, and I just on a whim, I just hanging out with him one time. I was like, "Yo, man, you want to be in a movie, bro?" <laughs> and he's like, "He didn't even ask what the movie was about." <laughs> No, first he tells me, I don't want to be in that kind of movie, man. I'm like, what? <laughs> Come on, man. Give me some credit at least. <laughs> that kind of movie. I don't want to be in that kind of movie. Like The the assumption that if I'm making a movie, yeah, it's yeah, that kind of movie. Yeah, that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I'll be in it, man. I was like, all right, I'll send you the script and the, the idea. And I sent it to him that night. And right away, he was like, boom, I'm in, man. Yeah. I've never acted before. But I'm in. I was like, okay, um, I've never directed before, but I have acting experience. You know, I, I did some, I was in a musical production for about 10 years and I did some theater. I did probably like f five theater productions. Yeah. So I, I, I had minimal acting experience. Yeah. So I, I, I already knew how to block a scene. I already had everything in my mind, how I pictured it how I wanted it, mm -hmm. how I wanted my actors to sound, how did I want... So I felt really confident on guiding my first-time actors, and that's what I told them. I was mm -hmm. like, don't worry, man. I got this. I'm going to guide you. Just long... You just need to listen, that's all. And he did. It was it was awesome. He um, Yeah, he was great. He was great. Um, the other character in the film was my sister. Mm. 
she was also my translator and my language consultant and it was her first time acting as well and i told her the same thing i was like this is my first time directing mm. my first time writing something but i feel pretty confident on how like i didn't do any storyboards mm. i didn't do any storyboards at all because i already had my scenes and i was pretty like i said i visited the site tons of times so i already pictured everything how he comes out of the water yeah and... everything that came out on the screen and i already i pictured that a hundred times mm. i i walked that stretch of road i mean filming it and being there for the first time with everybody you know the mm. sound mm. and the cameras it was a little overwhelming at first but then after we started rolling everything started feeling very natural and exactly how i played it out in my my head mm. Which that was probably the coolest part about directing this. Which one? Seeing your imagination oh, coming to life. Yeah, exactly the way feeling, you, right? Yeah, exactly the way. And um like this camera Jack showed up with. Paul. <laughs> Paul, Jack. Yeah. Paul. Paul? Paul showed up with this crazy camera. I think man. It was a red weapon. Yeah. It was like this harness thing with the steady camera here. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> it translated to the bro, screen. like like I, Paul. If you're listening to this, man, I just I told you this a million times that that camera itself became a character. Yeah, you know I could not have made that the way without that camera. It's mm-hmm. cool, but he calls me up like a week before shooting because I was uh, I, did, I needed a director of photography because I had one. He had something else going on, and then Paul calls me up, and he's like, hey, I'm interested. I heard seen your script. It's really interesting. Can I jump on? I was like, yeah, man. Mm. And he just asked me one question. He just asked me one question. He's like, what do you want your movie to look like? What's your, do you have any movies you like that you wanted to look like? And I was like, you ever watch The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio? He's like, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't want it to be like that gruesome, you know, but... That style of filming where it, the, the, you're following the characters and it's, you know, you could tell that it's, he knew exactly what I was saying. Yeah. And he, I didn't even have to tell them again. He knew exactly, every time we set up a scene, it's almost like he, he knew exactly what was going on. And he mm. got, he got to the, he got to the punch before I did on many of the scenes. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, man, that's exactly how I want it. Or he would come up with a, uh come up with a different scenario it's like maybe we should do it like this maybe we should do it like this man you're making the movie that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what um I, I was actually on a set where paul was shooting and his style is he makes you you know um as a dp he makes you feel like you have pro and the way he explains things to you is like it makes it super simple so you don't have to listen to all the like the jargons of camera camera talk is like, oh, this is how it's gonna look, and this is how we're gonna shoot this. So it was great watching him walk. It was on, uh, it was actually on the film five I saw him walking on. Yeah, like I have to agree, man. Like he made me feel like, um, like I was doing this forever. You know? <laughs> and he um, he approached my ideas very openly, very positively, mm. and it was just working with a guy like him, and just how smooth and patient mm. you know patient he was was very common because like it, it got a little overwhelming being my first time doing it but mm. the team like these dudes right here man <laughs> these guys right here you guys can't see them but these guys sound buds man they made it easy too mm. these guys were dope you guys are dope man 
guys are dope. I love you guys, man. Um, so uh, I, I, I mean, so you cast um, the guy for Martin Noel was his name? No, yeah, no, Julian, Noel. yeah. So you cast him for Martin, yeah. And then uh, how the costume? Did you have the costume in mind? No, already? man. That's a great story, man. Check okay. this out. Yeah. So. Uh, where I work at, I work at a cultural center, and mm-hmm. it's part of a confederacy which works for all communities. Mm. And I'm uh, sitting with my coworker, and I'm I'm kind of freaking out about costume design, right, and budget, and like, how am I gonna get this? Co- I'm gonna have to make the costume myself. I started like, okay, I I make regalia, mm. I do leather work, and I do all that stuff. I'm really good with my hands, so cool. I was like, I'm gonna have to make this. <laughs> costume myself and mm. i was really i was getting f- kind of frustrated with it and um <coughs> my co-worker was like you know what something just came to me there's a lady that used to work here a lady that used to work here and she's an artist and she used to work for a production company that came here to nova scotia a few years ago so when they were filming squanto a warrior's tale here um, this production company, I guess, purchased the the outfits and the costumes that were designed for movies like Dances with Wolves, mm. uh, Black Robe, and they it was a, know, part of Disney. Disney made Squanto, so whatever company was here that was doing the work for Disney, I guess, mm. purchased those costumes, and there's like thousands of outfits yeah. that were made, and they weren't even made in North America. I find out later that all this stuff was made somewhere overseas. Oh wow! So they these outfits that were made for those movies end up in Nova Scotia on set for Squanto, and a few years later they used the same costumes for Scarlet Letter, mm. and I think maybe Pit Pony. I think I'm not sure. So I guess this. This company that owned these were holding them in a warehouse that this uh, lady was, the Mi'kmaq lady, mm. that um, they were going to just get rid of them. So she bought, she, you know, look, I'll buy them off you guys since you're just going to throw them away. Yeah. So she bought them at a really cheap price. And for a few years, she was renting them out to other production companies across the country and making a little buck off of it. Yeah. For the longest time, no one was uh, renting them from them. So... I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. And my coworker's like, you should call this lady up. She's a she's a great artist. Mm. She does like painting and she paints wood. Really, really authentic Mi'kmaq painting. Yeah. That's what she does now. So I just, and she just was down the road. So I work in Truro mm. and she lives in Stuyak, yeah. which is like 10 minutes away. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I called her up and I told her what I was doing. And she's like, yeah, I have a, I have a, a, um, a storage unit filled with, uh, you know, uh, period costumes. You can come down, take a look, and I'll rent one out to you. I was like, all right. <laughs> so I gave her the, the sizes and dimensions of what I needed. And we went to take a look, and man, she had some amazing stuff. Yeah, amazing stuff. I think, I think I have a picture of trying them on on Instagram. <laughs> A little bit down, like way, way down, 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 down. Uh, right there, right there. You see that that one there? I'm whole. I got something on my head there. Yeah. So yeah, that was when we went to go check out her. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So this is her house in Stuyak. Yeah. And I took a buddy of mine to go check out the stuff, and I was blown away. I was like, yeah. Oh wow! Wow, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> so she was um she was gonna rent me more, but I was like, look, I only need one. One, yeah. yeah I only need one outfit. And, <laughs> he doesn't um, need the one, yeah. So it was like serendipitous, man. Yeah, I mean, because it looked great on screen and it just looks great on um on the character. And what what the shot of him leaving the water and how actually having to go back is is a, is is it symbolic? Well, uh, <laughs> in the script, and this was one of the problems that I was almost ready to ditch the whole project because I was having such a hard time with that beginning. In the mm-hmm. script, I had it written that. Uh, Martin is in a canoe. He leaves Goosecap in the canoe, and he's paddling through the lake or whatnot on a canoe. And he comes out of the spear world, and that's how he arrives to shore. Mm. <clears throat> so, I could not get a birch bark canoe. Okay. You know, I'm I'm a Mi'kmaq guy. There's there's 13 Mi'kmaq communities in Nova Scotia, and you would think that you would, you know <laughs> people would have the assumption there's birch bark canoes everywhere. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, there's no fucking birch bark canoes anywhere, man. But but um, <laughs> last year there was the I think it was on the I can't remember what those the, on Heritage Day. There was one being displayed right, uh, right down. Right. Oh yeah, there's 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 birch bark canoes, but oh, they're okay. impossible to get for a short film. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, they're okay. fucking impossible to get for a short film. I called everywhere. Yeah, I called. I even know the guy that makes that. That's like one of the most renowned birch bark canoe makers mm. in in the eastern part of North America and mm. lives right down in the valley. I called him. He works for Park. He works for Kijimakuja, Kimini's daughter. Mm. And I know, and that's where I was going to film because that's oh. where I knew there was canoes and there was even wigwams there. Okay. I was like, but getting everyone from Halifax, the majority of the cast and crew were from Is, here. Yeah. And then getting everyone down to Kijimakuja, that mm. was, I was like, so I dropped that idea. I mean, even getting them to Aniganish is. Is a whole mission. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get the canoe. I couldn't get any canoes. Yeah. I couldn't even get them interested into the film, which is not 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 to say that they're, you know, they're great people and they're busy. That's yeah. it. They're really, really busy. Yeah. And, um, you know, a short film, like it turned out cool now, but this was like in the this, pre-production kind yeah. of stages, right? So yeah. I had a hard time. Do you also feel that because it was your first film, people have that reservation to walk with you a little bit yeah. a little bit um i'm not um i'm a kind of well-known guy you know because of the other stuff that i do mm. and a lot of people know me mm-hmm. and when i know that i take the things that i'm passionate about very seriously so mm. i'm not saying that i'm like the mo- like a very well-known Mi'kmaq guy but i'm like a lot of people know me I'm a I'm a very familiar face. Uh, I do a lot of public things. I MC. I direct a lot of gatherings. So I've been doing that for 20 years. And, yeah. and I've been doing powwows in around this area for a lot. So a lot of the Mi'kmaq communities know who I am. Mm. So when it comes to this kind of stuff, and especially the work that I do now, yeah. And I used to be leadership in my in my community as well. So I'm kind of a very and the, the Mi'kmaq term is Neleg, which means you're just kind of nosy guy. You're everywhere. <laughs> Get your nose into everything. That's that's me, you know? <laughs> I'm everywhere, and I want to be seen. And this, and, I, and the, the drum show kind of put me up there a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was in drum for 10 years, and that kind of put me up on this radar of everyone knowing who I was. And then I got more into directing and emceeing and being a public person and mm. so when it comes to this kind of stuff it i got a lot of attention because um 
I got a good social media following and a lot of people share like the people I know shared with their people and it just you know I have a great network of people mm. that are that do almost the similar things to me so okay. um that's I think I feel like people take me seriously mm. sometimes I'm like sometimes I'm because I'm a very public guy and I MC I joke a lot and and I mess around with a lot of people and shit like that but yeah. um people that know me I think take me seriously they know that if when I put my mind to something and I would get very passionate about it. I'm yeah. going to see it to the end. I mean, and the film was great. It was great. It was just... And your sister, I, I know you... I just remembered when you mentioned that she was the lady in the film. I think it, she actually... She hasn't acted before, you said, but you could feel her passion for that character she played. It's like... It's, it's almost like she was talking to actual Martin and how she would... Um, um, interact with the that's, person. That's kind of cool that you see you, that you recognize that because that's the exact direction that I told her. Mm. You know, I was like, because um, she she practiced a lot on you know speaking, mm. and then when we would practice, I would try to get her out of the you know don't don't speak as if you're reading. You know, believe in what you're saying and believe in the words and speak to him as if you know you're really speaking about these things that are in the script about what we're writing, you know, mm. act as if you're having a real conversation with him. Forget the cameras and forget the lights and everyone that's watching you have a real conversation with him. And that's what I want. Yeah. I want a real conversation about these things because they're, they're, they're serious, serious things that we're talking about. And that there also was a struggle. Martin has to learn so many things, you know, so many things in a short amount of time. Mm. And I wish I had a, a a longer stretch. And I remember you were talking about it that your first script was like how many pages? Yeah. <laughs> so when I first submitted the idea to Afcoop, I had no idea what a short film was or how long it was supposed to be. So I wrote this script that had this had so many things in it, this big idea, and I thought it was gonna be like sixty minute long film, forty five minute long film. Mm. So they I got an email back saying that they really like the idea, but if uh, if I want to be considered for this project, I have to bring it down to fit five to seven minutes. Mm. It's like, whoa. <laughs> okay, okay, I can, I can do that. And it was hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, especially, like, that project, the, the Languages of Nova Scotia project. A lot of, like, the majority of us that wrote scripts we wrote them in english first oh. so when you write the script in english and then you translate it into into the next language mm. you're not too sure if it's going to be longer or shorter you know because especially with the migmas there were some some parts where we were able to shorten a script and there were some parts where we had to make the dialogue a little longer to explain what we're because you can't really translate fully english to Mi'kmaq. Okay. I don't know how it was for the other pro other films, but um, uh, it was. What was a good thing about that was that um, um, my my actor Newell, like, he had a hard. He didn't have a hard time with um, learning it. It was remembering the stuff. So mm -hmm. my sister was able to take uh, big blurbs that we had, and she's like, "We don't have to say all that." we could say it like this and shorten it down into a few phrases. Oh. And she's like, this is, would be the same amount of saying all of that. So how does she, how does she know so much about the language? Um, 
we're from different. We have different mothers. Um, she grew up in Cape Breton, and I grew up in the mainland. And um, the community I'm from, there's not many speakers. Mm-hmm. Even though both, even both, even though our father was one was a great linguist, knew the language. The community she grew up in, and her mother are all fluent. You know, the community's fluent, and mm-hmm. and they did the language is there a lot more than it is in my community. So I didn't grow up learning it as well as she did and she went to school for it she became she's a teacher so she lives and she lives in the language every single day yeah. that's her job but she got to grow up in a community where they spoke it to her freely and openly all the time and it wasn't like that in my community like do you think she tapped into that when she was playing that role because you know what i don't know the language or how it's spoken it's just watching on the screen i was like I want to see more of what she... I didn't even know she was a sister. I just... I was captivated <coughs> by how she played that role. And it was just like two minutes of her on the screen. But she just held it. And I I think for me, you know, I don't know if you set out to do this. But it was just a contrast. It's just this guy. He's like, what the fuck is a bugger? <laughs> and then this lady just says the deepest things for like two minutes. And it's just... Oh shit! Okay, yeah, mm, yeah, you know, it was there's like that a little bit of uncomfortable truth that is nope. there. That was all intentional. Okay. I wanted this roller coaster of yeah. emotions when watching yeah. it. Even like when we were getting training for it, everyone else had this idea of what their film was like. Is it a dra- tra- drama? Is it a comedy? And like, what is your movie? It's like, mm. I don't know. I want the I want the person who's ever watching to figure it out if it's if they they I just want them if they're feeling many things while watching it then that's what I want I yeah. want them to f- ask questions and feel things I don't want to label it as a comedy or you know a, a drama or a dramedy or you know I don't want to label it as that because our stories are old stories yeah. they weren't labeled anything they're just stories you know with meanings and lessons and that's exactly what i was going for <laughs> and also our, our our language is a is a very f- funny not funny but there's 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 humor in our language because it's a it's a verb based language so mm-hmm. it's a very descriptive language and when you're when you're talking about things you're always describing it or you're describing the situation i guess and even when i when i screened the movie you mm-hmm. know i screened i screened it for elders first without no subtitles ah, just to get a feel just to get a feel of yeah, the language yeah. and if they would laugh and get emotional in the places that I intended it to. Mm. With the like, me and my sister talked a lot about this when translated it and using certain words and emphasizing certain words. We thought really hard about that when, and especially when it came to filming. You know, we're going to emphasize this yeah. more than this, and it and it was successful. And that's why I knew it was going to be great because these elders would laugh. You know, they would laugh and they would. Some even got emotional, almost cried. Yeah, I mean that speech. You know, um, coming from I'm foreign, <laughs> so coming then and trying to learn as much as I can about Canada. It's just Canada is lovely, but then there's this other part, especially of the history that we don't really want to talk about. Yeah, or we just push it to the side. So in in in, in in one minute or two minutes, this lady just lays it out. I mean, it's your script, right? Yeah. So basically, you laid it out. And it's, I, I just hope that the people that see the film, they, they sit back and think about some of these things. Because it's like you just come here and kind of mess things up and just expect things to just kind of be a certain way. Yeah. 
Well, like I, when I was talking about the understanding of like the, how the elders reacted, mm. when people don't understand the language and they're watching it, they're they're experiencing it through the subtitles and they're they're getting the emotions from the subtitles and not the language. Mm. So they don't know when things are being emphasized and they don't know when things are being described and they don't know it's actually funny, you know, when they're, you know, when Martin or Gaju, um, grandmother are describing things and it's actually funny. You know, especially in serious moments. There's some parts in that it's serious moments that come out funny in the language, but in English subtitles, it's, it's not. Just, yeah. So, like, even when I screened it, there's parts that I know are funny, and I'm like, no one's fucking laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no one's fucking laughing, man. <laughs> but that's, that's what, that was my intention, because I didn't, I didn't think of, I didn't really think about the non-Indigenous audience accepting it the way it has been i guess mm. and i was making it really for indigenous speakers and people that want to learn the language because i'm not fluent mm. i'm not a fluent speaker and i've learned i learned so much about my language working with my sister and doing this film and even doing the subtitles you know i learned i learned i learned a lot of new words that i didn't learn before yeah. i learned a lot about contemporary mi'kmaq and old mi'kmaq and that's what I wanted. That's one of the reasons why I took on the project. I wanted to learn that stuff. But uh, I'm not saying I'm the first guy to do this. I'm uh, like taking a fictional story mm. and filming it in all Mi'kmaq. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'm the first guy to do it. Mm. But I think um, first guy to do it this cool maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's next? I don't know, man. Um, I got the bug. Look, this is something I always wanted to do mm. since I was in high school. I was interested in acting. And my parents, my parents, you know, they they both passed on. And I'm not doing this because they're gone. <laughs> I'm doing this because it just keeps coming at me. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, when I, I had this, I wanted to act so bad when I left high school, when I came to university here to Halifax. But my parents were just like, nope. They're trying to be real with me. You yeah. know, we're in Nova Scotia. There's no opportunities for native actors here. You know, you need to get educated because you have a great mind and you have a great way of thinking things and learning things. You're smart. You need to continue education and go somewhere else with it. Mm. And I did. You know, I studied history. I don't know what you can't do much with a history degree. But I got I found a job that I could use history, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even while I was in university, I right place, right time. I like I got involved with drum. Yeah, tell me about the Maril. Well, this year, this exactly. is the this is the drum group that I sing with. Mm. So this is a traditional drum group I sing with. But while I was in the city, oh, okay. While I was in the city going to school, I got part of this musical, which was just called Drum. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and that's kind of where I got stage presence more I, I you know i never had no experience in acting or whatever and it was just uh you know i'm a singer i'm a dancer and <coughs> right place right time knew to knew the same people and i uh checked it out liked it i needed a kind of a job and i ended up doing that for about 10 years off and on but through the through that 10 years i also did acting because of that show yeah. So the producer of the show threw me a couple bones. Okay. Like, hey, man, 
these guys are looking for native actors. Surprise. <laughs> and I, I remember even when I auditioned for it, they didn't they didn't take me right away. But then I ended up getting it. And it was um, it was a it was a play called Vimy. And it was with the Eastern Front Theater production. Cool. And I even remember telling my mom about it. I was like, look, I didn't go to acting school. <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't get any acting classes. I didn't do any of that. Yeah. And look at that. I'm in a real theater production getting paid. <laughs> getting paid. What do you think about that? And she's like, well, you're going to do what you want. <laughs> and I ended up, I loved it. I love theater, man. I yeah. love doing theater. I did Vimy here, and then right from there, I went and did a couple plays with Theater Anaganish. I did One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest, which oh, was wow. fucking dope. <laughs> you know, I got I, I auditioned and I uh, got to play Chief. Oh wow! And that was great, great play, man. Mm. Great, like compared to the movie. Mm. And I'm like, Chief is like one of the main characters in the play in the yeah. story, and it was amazing to have that opportunity. Mm. And uh, I did a couple more after that. And just like how this film came about, you know, yeah. I, before the I even heard of Afcoop and before the submission, I'm already thinking about writing a story about Martin, about the return. I'm already it's the seed is already there. I just never had the push. And then we get the submission. I seen it and I said, fuck it. I put 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 my put it out in the air and I just rolled with it, man. So like. Mm. This, like I said, this is something that I've always wanted to do, and things have been holding me back to do it. And then these opportunities just keep coming, and I just keep rolling with it. Yeah. So, like, what's 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 about to happen next? I I don't know. I have I have many ideas that I want to do now. Yeah. You know, I have. They've it opened up my mind to to a to a way of storytelling that no one's ever done before and I want to I want to capitalize it while I got this role. It's a small role. I mean like it's momentum wise. It's very small still. But, but it's a momentum yeah, it's... that's never been there before. I don't know for anyone else but for like for me and like I just feel like the opportunities are going to keep coming and there's a huge interest in it already. There's people that are like tomorrow tomorrow um the Mi'kmaq education, Mi'kmaq Ganamaway, and treaty education, like the school Mi'kmaq school boards of the of the province, they're doing this big thing, a launch celebrating the United Nations Indigenous Year, the the Year of Indigenous Language. That's what 2019 is. Okay. And Mi'kmaq Ganamaway and treaty education are doing this launch to celebrate that. So I was supposed to be there tomorrow to do this on to do an online screening of the movie oh, wow. for people that never got a chance to watch it for Mi'kmaq communities that haven't got a chance to watch it this is a chance for them to see it online for free mm. and um they have a huge interest in the way that we're promoting language in this new way you know in this new platforms and news so and that's what I wanted I didn't want organizations to give me money and be like here Go make make some more movies like this. I wanted to plant a seed for people watching to realize that, hey, we can tell stories again mm. in our language and get people talking about them and get them part of our oral histories again. That's what I wanted because that's my interest mm. is in our oral histories as Mi'kmaq people. I wanted to 
Like, yeah, I want to make another movie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I love to work with these dudes again. <laughs> these guys are dope. Sound buds. Look them up. Facebook, Instagram. The guys are dope. I do want to do it again. Mm. But again, I want, I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to inspire people like I was, mm. you know, tell stories, tell Mi'kmaq stories, get people to find interest in our beautiful language it is and beautiful. continue to do it. I want to make more, I want to tell more stories. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I got my, I, I like my job where I'm at. I like the, the working on projects and I like doing research for organizations that come to us. And I'm really, I'm really, really interested on oral histories. Like when I told you about the idea of bringing these stories, like <clears throat> these stories that were gathered and, publicized in English, you know, I, I really would like to adapt them and bring them, you know, take these stories that were archived. That's how I see them. They were archived mm. because no one's talking about, no one's reading them. Mm. I'd like to take those and put them in the film and, and put it all in Mi'kmaq, you know, like they were originated. You know, these stories were originally told in Mi'kmaq. And some of them, you know, they're they're in conventional, they're unconventional stories because there's no middle end, and that's they're weird to adapt. They're super weird because there's no climax. Sometimes there's no climax. Sometimes there's no good guy, no bad guy. They're just stories yeah. explaining something. And even the ending, sometimes in a Mi'kmaq legend, sometimes the ending is like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, man. Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to do a TV series about these legends. Well, I, I <laughs> there was a project that's coming up with Telefilm Canada that I was going to submit to mm. for a web series. And I just like, like a lot of personal stuff's happened in the past few weeks. With, uh, I had to back away from it. Mm. Work and personal life. And I just like, maybe there's going to be another opportunity. Mm. I feel like, like... <laughs> I did a short film that was 10 minutes, like it's nine minutes long. And it was a two, two day shoot. And I felt overwhelmed. I felt like I was in over my head making a short film, even though I loved every single minute of it. And I had like the greatest team. Mm. I had the fucking the most amazing team that I could think of. I felt like I brought together the fucking Avengers, man. Like that's how <laughs> awesome everything just meshed. Yeah. Every, it was the most positive feeling like, there was no negativity. There was no... It was just fucking cool shit, you know? Mm. And if I was to move forward with some a big project that I was gonna, it would have been... Like, it would have been too much, man. And I would have... I may not have liked it. So I felt like maybe if I'm gonna continue this way, yeah. if I'm gonna continue making movies or short films, or if I'm gonna continue to tell stories, mm. I'm gonna do it gradually, slowly, make another short film and another short film until I get enough interest and enough trust into tell bigger stories. Mm. And I think that's how I wanna do it. I don't want I don't want to jump into it right away and get burnt or get disappointed or let anybody expectations down, you know? Mm. Because I made one decent short film that everyone likes, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy that makes a, sh a shitty, shitty one next, you know. <laughs> even though that's not what it's about, that's not what it's about, I you know. What you mean. Because even when I made this film, I made it. I don't give a shit what people think about. It. I'm gonna fucking make the movie that I want, mm. you know, because it's in my head. It's my idea. I'm gonna make the movie that I want. Yeah. 
the expectations that come after that it that's kind of what's making me back you know i'm going to take this slow do okay. the do the do the film festival circuit and try to gain some you know and if i don't i don't and if i do i do okay. but uh, i've submitted to probably about 12 festivals already i don't know what the other films are doing in from languages of nova scotia the no other idea. four films yeah. i have no idea because we're all kind of like they kind of like you know sh- taught us and groomed us and kept us in this little bunch and then like they're like like, all right here you guys go you're free here you go (laughs) bye-bye and um like i have no idea what they're doing i don't know if they're like going through the same circuit that i'm doing or the same things you know i'm doing like I, I feel like I owe a lot to Afcoop as well. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why I want to go through these film festivals to give the the program the recognition. Yeah, it was a great. It's a great program. Yeah, like a TV station mm. called me and they they wanted to interview me mm. about the Mi'kmaq film, and I felt that was unfair. I was like, look, man, I'm I did make a film and it's a decent film, but there's four other films that were made in this program and they were all great move they're all great short films mm. it's like if anything you should have someone to talk about the program and not me but because it's a Mi'kmaq language film and not many has been made and it's 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 good I guess they just wanted to talk to me and I didn't I didn't want to do that uh. I didn't want to go on TV and be like yeah I made a Mi'kmaq language film y'all and it's deadly and it's better than all of them no <laughs> I didn't want to do that because it's not yeah. I don't see it as better as the other ones I think we're all in one little one little great little category coming from a great program yeah. and if if anything we should all be um, experienced in whatever it is I am Okay. You know, I'm getting, but I'm working. I'm working at pushing my film. I have no idea what everyone else is doing. Man, Trevor, thanks for coming in today. Are we this done? Was great. <laughs> man, I could talk all day, man. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm actually gonna have you come back. For I'd sure. love to come back, yeah, man, because I even definitely. have no idea. I was like, what was the fucking topic of this podcast, <laughs> man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we'll definitely have you back. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, man, I could talk about anything all fucking day, man. <laughs>